This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see a couple friends on board with us on a Monday morning to break things down. Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, both of whom were out in Ann Arbor for the matchup at Michigan Stadium, which went awry early and certainly got worse as things carried on Saturday afternoon. We had our post-game podcast up on Saturday evening. Daniel joined me from Michigan Stadium. We spent about 45 minutes or so with immediate reactions, talking about some of the, the topics out of this. We have a little bit of time to digest before we show up for these Monday shows, so we have some more analysis to provide from that from that last matchup, and we'll talk big picture because Penn State enters a week they cannot afford to squander, and Mark Brennan will bring you in. You've traveled. You've made this trip a bunch of times to see Penn State play in the big house. Uh, it's been a bit of a house of horrors when it has been full for James Franklin making that trip, and they added to that uh, <laughs> this past Saturday in a very emphatic way. Uh, just curious to hear your initial reaction i read your top takeaways i read your report card i think i have a pretty good indication of where your head's at but how stunned were you that penn state showed up in this way and got sent home in this kind of a fashion yeah and you know what made it even crazier tyler was the fact that through some miracle penn state was in this game you know late in the second quarter and and even into the third quarter i mean uh, penn state played very poorly and you know, thanks to a, a lucky bounce of a uh, of a football off of PJ Mustafer and uh, a Sean Clifford run, uh, you know, they end up right in that ball game. And somehow, it just it, you you think a lot of times when you see those ty- types of games, teams are able to capitalize on that good fortune. And clearly, Penn State was not. And the weird thing about it is, you know, Daniel and you were out there. You know, that's a that's a good atmosphere, but it's not as crazy as like an Ohio State can be or a Wisconsin or an Iowa. It's it, but for some reason, uh, you know, under James Franklin, Penn State's just not been able to perform well out there. Not only are they losing, you know, they're getting their heads handed to them. And going into that game, you know, we all three of us picked Penn State to lose that game, but all three of us envisioned it as a tight game. And uh, I am just surprised that Penn State was manhandled the way it was. And, and one of the things that I actually – I don't want to say that I liked it, but it's one thing for us to say that Penn State was embarrassed. It's a completely different thing for the players to say it. Listen, people – you know, we, we like to think we know what we're talking about, but, you know, sometimes maybe we go overboard – but when P.J. Mustafer, a team leader, is coming in that media room afterward and saying he was embarrassed by the performance, 
that's telling you all you need to know. I mean, that wasn't a good enough effort by the coaching staff. It wasn't a good enough effort by the offense, the defense. You know, Barney and Moore played kind of well. Uh, but beyond that, uh, that was as – that was coming off of a 5-0 and start, um, that was much worse to me than what they did at Iowa last year. Because at Iowa last year, at least you could blame it on Clifford being hurt. You could blame it on P.J. Mustafer being hurt. This, they, they just got their heads handed to them. And, and that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a bad sign. That's a bad sign headed in, into the second half of the season. Yeah, I think the more appropriate game to measure it up against, although a very different opponent, might be the Illinois matchup and the way they showed up for that game in Beaver Stadium out of a bye week. And, Daniel, we've got a, a big week ahead. We don't get a chance to speak with players or coaches until Tuesday. And when we start to do that, we'll have all of our coverage at Lions 24-7. But I imagine there's going to be a lot of statements that echo P.J. Mustafer's sentiments. And I read your story uh, coming out of Saturday night into Sunday morning, Daniel, about that embarrassing aspect of it where they didn't just lose this game but they got sent home kind of with their tail tucked between their legs with the way this one turned out Jair Brown told you it was a wake-up call for this defense when you hear some of these leaders say what they're saying after the game how key are the next 48 hours in your opinion before Penn State logs that first physical practice session of the week definitely I think a lot of what we heard from those veteran leaders was was pretty telling um, in terms of how they approached, uh, you know, their, their thoughts on the game. I mean, obviously PJ Mustafer saying that it was embarrassing. That's a strong statement. Um, and there wasn't really any you know, sugarcoating of anything. It, it didn't feel like um, there was attempts to, to spin things because I think they knew that everybody knows that that game was not close at all. Um, and I think that we saw some kind of genuine emotion and, and genuine thoughts on, on what what's next um you know with Mustafer, i also thought that when he said that he's going to need to sit with this one overnight um you know he still said that you know we come in on sunday and that's when we get to work for next week and, and we move on but there wasn't kind of that immediate okay we're just going to flush this one and move on um that i think you hear sometimes after after these kinds of losses where it's like yeah we just need to put this behind us we need to move on um but I think the fact that PJ said that he's going to sit with it overnight. Um, the fact that Jair Brown did call it um, a wake up call. Um, I forget which defensive player it was, but we got a, you know, we need to look in the mirror quote, um, which is always kind of, that always raises my eyebrows a little bit um, because we thought we knew what this team was and we thought they knew what they were. Um, so, you know, I think that Sunday into Monday and then into Tuesday when they, they get back to work, um, I think that's really crucial for this team. And I think that they're going into a spot on Saturday where it's obviously it's the whiteout, but with Minnesota coming in, coming in off a loss, uh, there's not quite as much juice behind this game, I think. And so I think we're, this response is going to be really telling about what kind of team uh, Penn State has this year. And guys, I think you didn't really have to look beyond the face of the franchise and James Franklin, the guy who has the keys to this whole thing during his postgame press conference. And Daniel described him as kind of having that defeated demeanor, not just taking the loss in that column, but just really feeling down about how his program performed, clearly coming out of a bye, acknowledging during that uh, last week that they had changed some things up in their bye week approach. They understood the struggles that had existed in the past under this current regime. And then to come out and have an absolute thud like this 
Mark, those bye week questions aren't going to stop now just because the bye weeks passed us. It's something that James Franklin's going to have to answer this week. And it's certainly something that come next week, whatever that 2023 schedule looks like, whoever they have coming out of the bye, it may be my alma mater, it may be USC. We don't know what it's going to be. But you know next week this is going to be hanging – or next year this is going to be hanging over James Franklin, and it's starting to stack up with that record against Michigan and the record against Ohio State that people do it. Um, there's something to be said about coming out of, of the bye week and having those two weeks, and what we heard about their preparation didn't indicate anything like this was going to happen. And so, Mark, you've seen a lot of James Franklin's post-gamers. You've seen him in, in some emotional situations after losses – what did you make of his demeanor and kind of the message he sent? Because he was all over the place a little bit, talking about needing to recruit bigger guys, saying they have players who think they're Aaron Donald, but they're not. It was really far-ranging for the moment. Yeah, I would respectfully say that that after some of these losses, that he he needs to just dial it back a little bit. You know, there's no reason to be going into the whole Aaron Donald, your defensive linemen are too small. I mean, wh where did that come from? You know, and it, while it may be true – I think that's something that's probably better stated on a Tuesday that, you know, if you're thinking there's some overarching problem that, you know, we heard zero about for nothing I, I, that, all, yeah, year. Yeah, all year. Yeah. Nothing. And, and, but I think he's, you know, he's, I don't want to be critical of a coach who's speaking from his heart because that's no. what he was doing. But by the same token, I think it would serve him better to, to wait to, to discuss that sort of stuff until Tuesday. If he thinks that is a major issue, I think you take a deep breath and, and then you address that situation Tuesday. Because, you know, we were, we were walking out of the stadium. Uh, Daniel and I stayed in different places. So I was walking out with some other reporters. And it's like, well, who do you think he was talking about? You know, and somebody said they thought they were talking about Mustafer. I said, what are you talking about? He's not talking about Mustafer. <laughs> he's the he's the, like the <laughs> biggest guy. He's talking about guys like Akeem Beeman and and Zane Durant, who we who we've yeah. barely seen, who we heard so much about. You know, so when you're talking, but but I just don't know that I looked at that game and thought, oh my God, they're not big enough on the defensive line. That's why they lost that game. You know, I, I just I, I wasn't quite following that that train of thought, and that's why I say that respectfully because I think James Franklin's usually terrific in the post game, and again, I don't want to be critical of somebody being honest because how often are we critical of coaches or players for for not being honest in those situations? But I just don't know that that's a, a subject that that needs to be broached. But getting to your point, Tyler, I think that speaks to how much that loss hurt him. I mean, listen, we looked at this game coming in. It was going to be a defining game for both of these programs, for one of these programs, not for both. Wasn't going to be a defining game for both of them. Uh, but for Michigan, you know, can they validate what they did last year? Or was that a one-off? And for Penn State, can you get this, you know, albatross, you know, out of out of your program that you can't win top against top 10 programs and you, you struggle against Michigan and Ohio State uh, especially Michigan, well, not especially Michigan, but both teams. But, you know, your one win at Michigan was in a COVID year when it was, you know, four of us in the press box, and, and, and that was about it. So, yeah, I mean, I think he was genuinely uh, hurt after that game and disappointed, and I, I, I'm sure he was embarrassed by that on, on, a, on a big stage on the Fox noon game. Uh, but I, I would say, again, respectfully, I think – in that sort of situation, I think it would make a lot more sense for him not to take an overarching big picture view. I mean, we've seen this in the past after tough losses when he's come out and made these statements that, you know, uh, we're not elite. I mean, it, these are things that I think are better off discussed during the week. 
I do wonder. Um, I do wonder if he wishes he could walk back. Though we need to recruit better comments because I think comments yeah. like that after your first brush with adversity as a program. I know he says he goes in the locker room afterwards, and his message is more "I love you" than "Let's break down what we did wrong." But when you come and speak to the media and say we got to recruit better than what we're what we're recruiting on the roster with the team that we're playing with right now. That, that, you know, people can read that in different ways. Parents of players can read that in different ways. And I, I just don't know if that's something that, that he necessarily would have loved to have thrown out there in Ann Arbor if he could have a, a do over there. But we'll hear from him on Tuesday afternoon. There's going to be tough questions. There's going to be tougher questions than he's really had to encounter through a 5 0 start. That's the way that the college football works. That's the way that sports works. Uh, when you had that defeat, people want to point to the blemishes a little bit more. So, where do we want to point? We got a defense that gave up 400 plus rushing yards. And then we have an offense uh, that continued to sputter out of the gates in the bye week and um, has really not gone in the right direction here in the past month. So, let's, code, let's go offense first because, Mark, we spent a lot of time toward the tail end of the podcast yeah. uh, discussing the core quarterback of this offensive attack but I want to start with the offensive coordinator because before we get to Sean Clifford who's been around here for a while uh has worked with several offensive coordinators much of the talk has been you've got Mike Yersich in place you guys have, are joined at the hip here you're back for year six he's back for year two and you think coming out of the bye this is the perfect scenario to flex those kind of muscles that you've been in the lab per se uh, and you have you have everything ironed out here because we said it going into the game you didn't need Sean Clifford to go out and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns just like Michigan ultimately didn't need that kind of an effort from J.J. McCarthy. But we thought with the supporting pieces, with the potential balance that they might have on offense, fast forward to where we are now, running backs got 13 carries. Sean Clifford complete, completed a career-worst 38% of his passes over the course of this game. And now in 39 career starts, Mark, eight times Sean Clifford has completed 50% or fewer of his throws in a matchup. That includes the last two Big Ten contests. But before we get to 14, I want to hear what you, Mark Brennan, had to say about this offensive coordinator and the plan that Penn State's going to, to carry out for the next six weeks. Because to me, Mike Yersich, this is where it starts to be. What are you all about? That We had this last year. What are you going to show us when it matters most? And it was really, really underwhelming what they, what they produced out of Michigan. Yeah, two things. Number one, what you touched on. Was there any indication whatsoever, I mean any indication, that Penn State was coming into that game off of a bye? Did we see no. anything, anything unique? Did, did, did we, if anything, it looked like Michigan was a team coming off the bye. They just, I mean, I just, I, I still scratch my head over that. And that's on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. I mean, did we see anything? And then, again, through some miracle of the football gods, you are in that game at halftime. Did we see any adjustments? Anything? I mean, it's again, you're looking at this game and in and where are the adjustments within the season? I mean, you have this buy that was strategically that wasn't strategically put placed, but from a strategic mm -hmm. standpoint, it was at the perfect spot because you're able to go through those first five games and then you're coming into what we were over and over calling a gauntlet. And sure enough, it is a gauntlet, right? I mean, it's a gauntlet. Didn't see anything. I mean, there was no indication. And so I'm, I'm still confused by that. And, and again, uh, getting into the, uh, the second half of that game, it's like, where are the adjustments? I would like to say one thing about Clifford. Uh, okay. Listen, uh, 
they had a lot of strong leaders come out after the game and talk. Unfortunately, he was banged up and he couldn't do it. I always respect him for coming out and being a very good spokesman for the team. But for anybody who didn't see Sean Clifford quotes after the game, it was because he was hurt. So do not be critical of him for that. But what I would be, I mean, Tyler, you touched on this. I mean, and I have the numbers here. Going into that Northwestern game, his efficiency, 148.9. His completion percentage, 64.1. His yards per game, 225.5. All of those numbers are down. So now his completion percentage for the season, 59%, is below his career completion percentage. His yards per game, 199.1 or 191.7 this season are below his career averages. And his efficiency has dropped over 10 points. I mean, these are so you're in the Big Ten and you get into your biggest games and your quarterback isn't getting the job done. He's just not. I mean, and that and that so you you combine that with your offensive coordinator struggling and your quarterback struggling. And I think those are the two key issues with the offense. I, I don't think the offensive line was the issue in this game. I mean, yeah, it didn't do a great job of opening up holes, but it did a pretty good job of protecting Clifford. And overall, I thought the receivers played well. There were a drop here and there. And, you know, the running backs, I give them so, – the offensive line, like I said, did struggle a little bit opening holes. So that was made it tough for but, – but there were opportunities there if you had a quarterback who was remotely efficient that I think they could have taken advantage of, and they did. They did not get the ball to Mitchell Tinsley, Brenton Strange, or Katron Allen before Michigan had three scoring drives already in the books. They did not – get a first down on a passing play until the third quarter. They only completed balls to three different receivers. Mitchell Tinsley had five catches. Parker Washington had three catches. And Harrison Wallace had two catches. And then Brenton Strange led the tight end room with one catch for nine yards. That's all he got out of the tight end group. And how so many targets? Can. How many targets, Tyler? Nothing. I mean, it, well, no, it, he it was, was strange was targeted three times. So this is what in the last last two games, he's been targeted, what, four or five times. I mean, and in this game, Tinsley was targeted nine. So you have your a guy who's playing like an All-American and you're not getting the rock. Meanwhile, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen both got six carries. That is the lowest total of their career. So, again, the ball wasn't in the hands of your playmakers here. Most of the times on offense, they were barely out on the field. Uh, going through the drive comparison chart here, uh, as Michigan was decimating this defense in their first three drives, were going for 517, 610, and 620 in terms of uh, time of possession. Penn State's opening drives here. Three plays for two minutes and eight seconds. Three plays for one minute and 31 seconds. They had a seven-play drive in two minutes and 18 seconds. I got the touchdown because Sean Clifford picked up 62 of those yards on a third and short run. Uh, but but it's just more of the same in the second half. A minute and 30 to pick up a field goal. A turnover on downs in three and a half minutes, which was their longest uh, longest series of the day. And then Sean Clifford's last possession was a 150 uh, possession. So you're not doing your defense any favors in those situations. And my question is, a lot of the argument to be made, Daniel, for Sean Clifford to start in a game like this, to have the leeway to remain in a game like this for as long as it's competitive, is because you're in Ann Arbor and Sean Clifford has played everywhere and he's seen everything that the Big Ten can throw your way. Have we seen everything that Sean Clifford can throw the Big Ten's way? It, it feels like we have uh, almost at this point. Um, I think that, like you said, this is the type of game where your six-year quarterback is supposed to make a difference, um, whether that is you know, physically or intangibly. 
Um, there's you're supposed to get a, a boost there from from that experience, and we just didn't see that um, on Saturday. I mean, you can make the case that well, he didn't get many opportunities to show it uh, because the the offense was just on and off the field so quickly. But that's also partly his fault. Um, I think going back to the point about you know this team coming off the bye, it just felt like there were there were no wrinkles in this offense. There was nothing that we hadn't seen before. So I assumed that Michigan had seen pretty much everything um, that Penn state was there. And I think that after the Northwestern game, I think Mark was kind of sounding the alarm a little bit about the tight end usage. Um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, we've heard so much about this room, Brenton strange is playing so well. Um, you know, you need to get them the ball more. I think I kind of downplayed that coming out of Northwestern, but I think that you look at big 10 football you need those big guys. You know, you need to just take yards where you can get them. And I think that Brenton Strange has shown the ability um, to get yards when you need them to get some tough yards. And obviously, he's averaging a, a you know, insane. He was averaging you know 15 yards a catch. Obviously, that's not necessarily his style on a game in game out basis. But he's someone that can get the ball in his hands, make a couple guys miss, jump over someone. Um, he's a playmaker that needs to be more involved. Theo Johnson has been pretty much invisible um this year we haven't even seen tyler warren uh in that quarterback uh, role in a short yardage situation so i think you look up and down um the the roster on the offensive side of the ball and like the offensive line i didn't come away from that game really feeling like they played poorly um you know you kind of the thought with nick singleton with katron allen is that okay these are the types of running backs these are the types of talents where if something isn't quite a hundred percent correct um, on that offensive line, which it wasn't going to be against Michigan's front, that these are the types of players that can make someone miss that can make something happen, uh, make something out of nothing. And they just didn't, didn't make that happen um, on Saturday. So, and I think it all goes back to Clifford. <laughs> um, it all goes back to Mike Yersich. Uh The returns right now are not good, uh, especially over the, the past two weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just feels like we've seen kind of what we're going to see from Clifford. Maybe he has an Auburn-type performance from, from last year when he was 28-32, to 32, um, super efficient. Maybe he has one of those games still in him, but I think that when you look overall, he has more games like Saturday, more games like Central Michigan. Uh, that's more who he is uh, than, you know, either Auburn game or even who he was late in that Purdue game. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we've got inconsistent quarterback play that we're questioning now in, in a crucial point of the season. We've got the running back usage all of a sudden plummeting, and we've got the tight end room disappearing. Guys, stop me if you've heard this before. It feels a lot like the deja vu of what we were discussing as October turned to November last year. Uh, the one separating factor here, uh, of course, is that you do have the Drew Aller part of the equation, which was not present last October, last November. And this week, with our old buddy Kirk Shiraka coming back to town, we don't know if he'll have Tanner Morgan. I don't know what the latest is there. It didn't look positive in terms of him leaving that last Minnesota matchup. But Kirk Shiraka was here in 2020. We know what happened. Franklin says, thanks for your services. It was great having you around for a pandemic. Good luck elsewhere. Here's Mike Yersich brought on board. And now here we are. And the sample size is what, 19 games of Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator for Penn State. It's not some shiny, new, imaginative aspect of this program. It's very tangible. There's a lot of proof to point to. And the question now becomes, the one quarterback in this room who was personally recruited to Penn State by Mike Yersich and the guy that everyone in this building knows was the number one quarterback uh, for a reason, at least in our rankings at 24-7 sports, is this the week that you either make a move outright and you can potentially pin that to Sean Clifford's health status because James Franklin was very succinct in why he made the move in the fourth quarter last week. He said Sean was hurt. That's all he gave us. So my question is, uh, and then if we see Sean at practice on Wednesday, how imperative is it, guys, that Drew Aller is a part of the plan on offense? Not, not a guy who can come in when the game's decided. Not a guy who can sneak in for a series. But a guy that you are legitimately taking a long look at to find out if he can accelerate your offensive growth and expand your offensive capabilities in the next five, six games of this season. Well, if you're not going to do it in this game, when are you going to do it? Right? Are you going to wait till Ohio State? I mean, that would be nuts, wouldn't it? I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to do it now. I think. I mean, you either start the guy or you give him a bunch of you give him a, a bunch of snaps. I mean, I said it last week. You looked at what was happening with Clifford. He was going back to the mean. He was going back to what he's always been. And listen, he's one of the toughest quarterbacks, if not the toughest quarterback I've ever seen. He's been a great leader. He's been a great mentor to these younger QBs. But as you look at this season and where this game is, if they lose this game, forget it, man. I mean, this thing is coming unwound. So – you are either making this the decision now or you're not. I mean, I don't know what sense would it make if you go with Clifford in this game. And if they decide to do that, fine. But then, then you're going with Clifford. That's the way you're going. But if you're going to, to, to make the move to Aller, you either start him or you play him a bunch in this game. Because you can't do it the following week, can you? I mean, you, you, can't, you can't send him out there as the starter against Ohio State. I mean, may, I guess you could. It would be I, poetic I think, considering he was Mr. Mr. Football in Ohio last right, year. But, but yeah, I, I mean, that I would be quite would, the move. I just don't think it would make sense. I just so think it, if you don't have if you don't have the the motivation and wherewithal to make the move this week, 
are you going to find that next week? That's right. the question. If you can't find it as a staff to say we're making this move or we're getting Drew a ton of a ton of work in this game, if you can't make that call this week coming out of the game that you just had, coming out of the couple game stretch you've just had, knowing that this is start 40 for Sean Clifford, he's thrown the third most amount of passes in Penn State history. Do you really think that his ceiling is suddenly going to raise enough in the next second half of this season to put you where you want to be? Because it's still you, you, you still don't have to watch this play out like it did last year. I'm not saying they win seven games, but you don't have to watch it turn into a three-game losing streak or turn, turn into a second half of spiraling. And you can take that chance with Drew Aller. You know, he's thrown 14 passes in his career against Big Ten programs. And what you're weighing with him is if the immediate concerns about him as a rookie outweigh the immediate potential that he would provide as a top-level prospect. And Daniel... You're paying your offensive coordinator a lot of money. You made a shrewd move to get him on campus. He went to work, got Drew Aller. Here you are at a crossroads. The Sean Clifford conundrum hasn't worked itself out through half a season. This is why you make a ton of money. This is why you're a CEO of a high-level football program. I'm not saying that they need to make this change right now, but if they are not going into the workplace on a Sunday and a Monday and seriously chewing about this decision and about making some kind of a quarterback move, whether it's for half a game or a full game, I don't think they're doing their due diligence to themselves, to the members of this roster and to the fan base, quite frankly. Everything has to be on the table right now, um, you know, up and down the roster and especially at quarterback, um, because, you know, if not now, like you guys said, when are you going to do it? Um, you know, you can't afford to drop all three of these games um, if you want to be, you know, in the mix or just kind of, hovering around contention, um, you know, in case some weird stuff happens elsewhere in the Big Ten in the country. Uh, you just can't do that because you look at November, obviously uh, it's not exactly a, a murderer's row there after this, but all those teams are pesky. All those teams can, you know, weird things can happen. You know, you just look at what happened last year with a loss to Illinois. Um, so, you know, I think they just have to put everything on the table. They have to look at all of the possibilities. Um I think we've graduated past the fact that, okay, we need to get Aller that just a, a series in the second quarter. Um, I think that if you play him, you need to have him out there for, for multiple series um, in the first half. If you do decide to, to play him early and do some kind of two quarterback system, um, I think that you just have to do something that'll raise the ceiling of the offense because, you know, Mark said Sean Clifford has gone back to the mean. I mean, he's gone past the mean at this point, you know, he is, you talk about breaking his ceiling. I mean, he's crashing through the floor right now um, with how he's played over the past two games. And I think that those stats that Mark put out about how far all those numbers have dropped in these past two weeks, I mean, that that's pretty alarming uh, when you talk about getting production from the most important um, position on the field. So I think that Clifford has helped. And I think the ceiling of this offense is very far down um, right now. And I think that Aller is someone who can help raise that ceiling a little bit. Um, you know, I think that in comparing it to last year, uh, last year you had Jahan Dotson as the guy who was able to, you know, to bail out this offense, to be there for Clifford, to make things happen. Um, no one has really shown they can be that on offense this year. So you need, and since you don't have that one individual talent, you need to look at kind of the, the whole package, um, that whole unit and figure out, okay, what are the, you know, I mean, Changing quarterbacks isn't exactly a, a small tweak, but you know what are kind of the the moves that you can make um, to put guys in the best position to raise the ceiling to be in a spot where you can score, 
you know, you need to score 24 points. You know, you need to score 28 points. You need to put together, you know, a drive that takes five minutes. Who can do that um, on the roster? And I think everything just needs to be on the table this week because season can get away from you in a hurry. Um, and you don't want to be in a position like you were last year where you got to November and you looked at what had happened elsewhere in the conference. You looked at what happened in October and it was just kind of a, a, a very bleak picture uh, for those last couple of weeks. You talk about raising the ceiling of the offense as a whole, not just the quarterback position. Uh, we're at the halfway point of this season right now, and your leading receivers, Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, are at 23 and 24 catches. They're the only players at this point who are averaging three catches or more on the season per game. And we still haven't seen Parker Washington reach the end zone halfway through this season. And when you look at the running back production, we got really excited about it, of course, in September. But now we've got three games against non-conference opponents, three games against Big Ten teams. I, I talked about Catron Allen, six carries for 16 yards. He had a touchdown. Nick, Sing Nick Singleton, 19 uh, yards on six carries. By the way, Singleton had three touches in the first quarter. We didn't see him again until the third quarter. Part of that was the way the game uh, game dictated. But, again, if you want to get the ball in the hands of these guys, it can be difference makers. That wasn't happening with enough frequency, I thought, to give yourself a shot. When a guy can go 80 on any play, try to get him the football. Three Big Ten opponents, they are 3.8 combined on their average on 72 carries against three non-conference opponents in September. K. Allen and Nick Singleton, they averaged about nine yards per carry on 60 carries. So they got some stuff to figure out for these guys. They're trying to break through to the next level, um, and, and they got to do it against some Big Ten opponents here. Um, a lot to work through on offense. By the way, I don't think we mentioned this in the postgame podcast, no Landon Tengwall on the field, uh, starting left guard for the first five games. According to James Franklin, he was injured in some way during pregame warmups. That meant uh, a lot of Hunter Norzad, who was back involved for the first time in a month. I'm not sure if he was fully healthy quite yet, but he was out there at left guard. We saw some Bryce Seftner at left guard and, of course, at right tackle as well. Let's switch over and finish it out with some defensive thoughts <clears throat> because, look, Manny Diaz was riding a high. Uh, I think a lot of people were ready to buy into what he was selling. The takeaways were piling up. We've seen the, the, the pieces come together for this Penn State offense, and then we saw the puzzle fall apart. And, and now the question becomes, can they put it back together? Because I think they're going to get a very motivated Kirk Shiraka coming to town this Saturday. And, of course, we know what Ohio State brings to the table offensively the following week. Uh, Mark, uh, the honeymoon period is over for, Mark, for, for Manny Diaz. Um, and I'll tell you what, it, it feels a lot like we discussed coming out of the Illinois game last year when they gave up 350-plus rushing yards. The problem here is they're much deeper than they were last year in the defensive line, and they weren't missing P.J. Mustafer. Uh, so you go all across the defensive front, include the linebackers in this conversation. This is gut check time, just like we talked about on the offense this upcoming week. Yeah, Manny picked the best time to do his uh, conference call with reporters because <laughs> yeah. he got it out of the way before. And if uh, I just can't imagine if you, if Yursich ends up being a dude this week, it's going to be uh, I don't that could be that could be interesting. But listen, you know, you look at their first five opponents and what did they have in common? They were all one-dimensional. I mean, the only team that had a remotely good running game was Auburn, and their quarterbacks were so bad that you could really focus in on on one area. And and you know, I, I will tell you the the player that I was most impressed with on Saturday was JJ McCarthy, and I give Harbaugh a lot of credit because he 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 puts the the kid in positions to succeed. But he, the, the kid makes the most of those opportunities. He is ridiculously accurate. It's like night and day from watching a Penn State offense. And so while we're, we're focusing on 
rushing for 418 yards or whatever it was, I thought what allowed them to rush for all those yards was how McCarthy just killed them every time he passed. It was, it, I mean, outside of obviously the, the pick six, which was kind of a fluke play. And, you know, that's that was the issue. And where did he really beat them up? Not with the long passes. I mean, he was – I forget what the number was. I don't have it right here in front of you. It was something like 18, 18 of 20. He only missed two completions, I think, on passes of 14 yards or shorter. And, and, and who is that exploiting, right, the linebackers? I mean, what were we talking about all season long? The, the group that we had to keep an eye on. And they played well through five games. And then you get to a team that's multidimensional – and they really struggled. And it's not all on the linebackers. I mean, the defensive line wasn't any good either. I mean, you know, none of their better players played well up front. I don't think this was on the secondary. I think the secondary was so beat up by having to make all those tackles. It was ridiculous. But, you know, the one stat I had, I think Tyler Elsden had the most tackles of any linebacker with five, and four of them were assists. He had one solo tackle. Your top tackling linebacker has one solo tackle in a game where the team has over 90 tackles. I mean, so yeah, the the we talked about red flags coming out of Northwestern with the offense. Well, now your red flag is what? The linebacker situation. And I think they have to find a way to get Abdul Carter out there. I'm not saying he played a great game, but I think when you look at upsides of players, that guy needs to be out there as much as possible and you you need to find more ways to play him with Curtis Jacobs I don't know how you go about that who you put where uh, but I, I think that linebacker situation really has to be figured out because you know before this week Minnesota was the top rushing team in the Big Ten obviously Michigan took that over by 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 plotting Penn State and Ohio State is in the top three in rushing in the Big Ten so all of those teams are great rushing teams so you better get that figured out quickly yeah, Muhammad Ibrahim, all he's done as Minnesota's running back this year is go for 100-plus in every single game that he has played in. So that's what's coming And if down. the quarterback's hurt, Tyler, what's going to happen? If Tanner Morgan's hurt, what are they going to do? You'd think they load it up and, and, and try to punch them in the mouth yeah. repeatedly early and see if Penn State's ready to withstand it after getting knocked on the tarp uh, repeatedly at, at Michigan. And and I think when you, when you view this defense and, and what happened, 11 of 17 on third downs Michigan was able to do, uh, they didn't just average eight point, uh, almost eight yards per rush. They averaged more than seven yards per play, period. Uh, of course, the, the stat that everyone was focused on after the game, Michigan never punted. They had the ball for 42 minutes. Uh, there is just a lot to answer for here for Penn State. Again, coming out of a bye week, that's that's what looms over this. That's what augments, and that's what really creates a lot of uh, 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 just really I, frustration with people. Can I tell a quick joke? And I, I have to give this. Sure. To, I have to tell say this to Neil Rudell because we drove out together and we drove back together, and we were talking about some. It's like, what did they work on during the bye week? And Neil said, "Well, I bet you they had a great punt block set up. You get it." Because Michigan didn't punt. I mean, I thought that yeah, was pretty funny. Yeah, I, maybe yeah, I didn't that, deliver it as well as it needed to be delivered, but they had that in their back pocket. They just didn't get to use it. 
Sorry, Neil's, Neil's always got them. Uh, and 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 by the way, when we looked toward this team, uh, it wasn't a great day for special teams. I don't want to I don't want to give them a free pass either. Stacy Collins is now halfway through his first season as special teams coordinator. We saw a ball go out of bounds on a kickoff. You know, Penn State couldn't afford to make any mistakes on this Saturday. Uh, Gabe Nawasa was out there, and, and and we saw a bobble on a return. It just it, it wasn't a good day all around. You can point to all three coordinators. You can point to the head coach. There's a lot of money invested uh, in all of those positions within your program, and, and you want the return on investment, especially when you got that extra week to prepare, especially when you're in a national uh, showcase game. And Penn State fell flat on its face in this matchup in a way that none of us anticipated. Uh, so we will be back on Tuesday. We'll be fresh out of James Franklin's first press conference coming out of this game. So it's probably a, a conversation you won't want to miss. Uh, we'll give you some updates on players, uh, on personnel, and what we're hearing about preparation for Minnesota, but more importantly on how Penn State is going to try to shake this off of them. Uh, about 48 hours removed from that kickoff here as we speak on a Monday. Uh, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallon did a fantastic job with coverage out at Michigan Stadium. Hopefully you'll check out all the stuff they continue to produce at lions247.com. We've got our snap counts breakdown from the matchup position by position look on, on why that matters and what those totals show us. And additionally, Tyler Calvaruzzo, he's in for a busy week. We got a huge whiteout recruiting event to look forward to on Saturday. He's already got a full, complete early look at that list up on our site at lines247.com. So go check that stuff out. A big thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. For now, I'm Tyler Donahue stepping away. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast.